Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach my main man, Bob Huggins. And like I always say, I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand uniforms during my time. This is episode number eight. Man, got a lot to talk about, a lot going on. And I, I, you know, honestly, I think I'm going to knock out a couple podcasts even after this, just with so much going on. But but first, let me talk about uh, this past week. There was a celebration of life for the Hall of Fame broadcast announcer, Chuck Mayshock. It was held at Fifth Third Arena. Um, I had time to stop down and check it out. It was a great event for a great human being. Uh, Chuck Mayshock, as I've talked about in the past on this podcast, uh, affected so many lives. Uh, fans loved him. Players loved him. Ver- you know, both past and present players. Uh, coaches across the country loved him. You know, he was very involved. And a lot of people didn't know, you know, his, his coaching resume. And it was so impressive. But I'm going to tell you, the, the celebration of life for Chuck Mayshuck was, was so impressive to me because of the diversity of people that were in the arena and that were there for Chuck. Very impressive. And I I thought one of the most moving speeches was when the Final Four team came up, the majority of the the guys from the Final Four team. And I believe there was Terry Terry Nelson, uh, Terrace Gibson, A.D. Jackson. uh, Let's see who else was there. Uh, Keith Greger was in the house. Um, Anthony Buford was there. But... The one speech that I think moved the crowd was definitely Corey Blunt. Because as everybody knows, Chuck Chuck was a was a tremendous personality. He was a funny guy. So everyone had a funny Chuck Mayshock story. Whereas Corey Blunt's story was more it, it just it hit your heart. And he talked about not only his love for Chuck, but how much Chuck loved him and how much Chuck meant to him. And I'm telling you, Corey, there, there wasn't a dry eye in the house after Corey finished. And I believe, and I'm not positive on this, but I believe the actual footage and the video from the Celebration of Life is available online. Um, it might be on GoBearCats.com. I'm not totally sure. But once I find out, you know, I'll send out an update and uh, put something up on the uh, on social media or talk about it next podcast. Um, another cool thing, too, I want to give uh, two quick shouts out, shout outs to uh, one to Chad Brindle of BearcatJournal.com, who, number one, does a great job not only with his content on his site for Bearcat fans, but he also does a lot behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. There's a lot of movement going on behind the scenes that that Bearcat, I wish Bearcat fans really knew because I think they would appreciate some people in the Bearcat community even more. Um, guys like Terry Nelson, I'm telling you right now, Terry Nelson is gold. He does so much to pump up the University of Cincinnati, not only the basketball program, but but the school itself. Um, and I know this firsthand. I've, I've seen it. I talk to Terry a lot. Uh, Chad, uh, Chad was instrumental in helping execute uh, the Chuck shirts that appeared at the Celebration of Life for Chuck. 
and the shirts said Chuck, um, but the U and C in Chuck were white, and the rest of the letters were red. The shirt was black, so it really stuck out, and it was really cool because Chuck was UC. And Chad Brendel was was very instrumental in making those shirts happen to, to make sure they were available for free for everyone that attended the event. And a big shout out to Steve Boy Mel. And for those that don't know, um, Steve Boy Mel has been a longtime fan of UC athletics, specifically UC basketball, but he's a donor. Um, he, he, I, he's a mentor for a lot of former players. Um, he's been a mentor of mine. I mean, I've sat in his office before and just talked business for hours. Um, he's been very, very successful business-wise, and he sat there and gave me advice on how to handle different things. And uh, Steve helped pay for these shirts because he knows how much Chuck means to UC and, and to the people that were there. <clears throat> so... Huge shout, shout out to Chad Brendel and Steve Boymel. So uh, another update, and <laughs> listen, Bearcat Nation is is really talking about this Luke Fickle watch right now. And will Luke Fickle go to Michigan State? Will he remain at UC, a Bearcat? And I'm looking on Twitter, and I'm seeing all these rumors, and I, I'm not even worried about it. And I know some UC fans might hear that and go, what do you mean you're not worried? This is, this is a successful coach. Our football program's headed in the right direction. Uh, great recruits. Everything's on the up and up. Everything's trending up. And listen, I, I'm in basketball mode. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm watching my Bearcat basketball team. I'm engaged with what they're doing. Um, Luke Fickle's going to make the decision he makes. And I hope... Luke Fickle stays here. I think he does a great job. Um, I loved how he's put his arms around this community recruiting-wise, and it's something that we've desperately needed. And I just I love what he's about and what he's doing. Um, if that's a decision that he makes to move on to Michigan State that's best for you know, him and his career and his family, then it is what it is. Thank you, Luke, for what you've done for us to this point. Um, now we need to go find that next person to keep what he started rolling. If that's, you know, Marcus Freeman or whoever it is. Um, it, and it is what it is. Um, so I, I've not really been engaged in that whole situation. I'm sure everything will come out soon and hopefully um, Coach Fickle stays. But really, I'm engaged with this Bearcat basketball team. And, you know, winning seven of their last eight uh, has been really cool to see and see this team start to really turn the corner. So let me talk to you about what we're going to hear on this podcast today. So we're going to talk about, um, and as everybody, it's funny because I've, I've talked about this every podcast, and it's funny, I'm at the UC games and now people are starting to say it to me, and I talk about three-game mini-seasons. And I look at this. I look at the entire schedule, and I break down three game mini seasons. So I'll talk about the last three game mini seasons. I'll talk about the upcoming three game mini season, which, you know, honestly, it's Sunday right now, and the Bearcats just played UConn, and so I'm not going to dive too much into the UConn game. I'm going to save that for the next podcast, but I'll touch on that a little bit. 
Um, and then I'll get my Beast of the Week award. And uh, so let, let's just go right into it. Let's let's talk about these uh, these three games: um, SMU, Houston, and Wichita State. Now, if, if you heard me last podcast, I talked about some things that we needed to do to win those games. And you know, some of the things I said were were spot on, and some other things happened um, that I didn't expect, and I'm, I'm glad to see. So I, I personally felt that we would handle SMU. You know, it's at home. I really felt that this basketball team was starting to turn a corner. You could start to see Jaron get more comfortable. He's got the ball in his hands now, starting to look more healthy. And I said to myself, okay, if we can do the following things, if, if for this SMU game, if we can – at the start, from the tip, it'll basically punch him in the mouth to start the game. I feel like we're going to have complete control of this game all the way to the end. And first half, we go up 33-19. to 19. Um, We did what we were supposed to do. And that was something I said last podcast that we need to do. Handle our business. Um, we finished the second half. Uh, we won the second half, thirty-two to twenty-four, which gives us a sixty-five to forty-three win. Um, killed him on the glass, thirty-eight to twenty-eight, which I like to see. Um, <clears throat> Jaron Cumberland with a great game, twenty-eight, nine, and four. And you could really see Jaron engaged in this game. You know, waving to the crowd, getting them hyped up. Um, I, I just thought it was a, a great confidence-building game that this basketball team needed at the time to continue, I think, what had already started. So just looking, and I just happen to have the stats from the SMU game in front of me right now, which, listen, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge stat guy. Um, I think there are some stats that are very telling for me, some, some stats that I look at. You know, I always talk about turnovers and rebounding. And... And I talk about those a lot because the coaches that I've played for always emphasize those. And so I guess I'm, you know, I kind of put the microscope on turnovers because Bob Huggins always said 10 turnovers or less and we win the basketball game. Um, If you rebound the ball well defensively, that means you're giving the other team one shot and out. If you're rebounding the ball on offense, that means you're getting more than one opportunity at the basket, which if you can continue to do that, rebound well defensively, rebound well offensively, limit your turnovers, you're probably winning. Now, to stay consistent during a season doing that, it's it's not an easy thing. And, and people have to remember, you're dealing with kids, too. You're dealing with... You know, some 19, 20-year-old kids, there's a lot going on in their lives. And, and to get to get a group of young men, if you have a roster of, of 12, you know, kids, to and I, I call them kids, but I should say young men, but to get them to buy in to being consistent with practice habits every single day, consistent with game preparation every day, I mean, you're doing a high-level job as a coach. You know, you, if you look around, if you look around the country, and you look at some of the top coaches and some of the programs that are most successful, I think they do a great job of. And you hear this word culture all the time, and and the reason you hear that a lot is because 
the culture creates consistency. So consistency in getting your kids to do the same thing every day at a high level, preparation, uh, focus, you know, if they're doing all those things consistently every day, that usually leads to success in the games. So that's why a game like SMU is so very, very important. You know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the stats and I think we did pretty well statistically. Um, and you're starting to see more consistency with this basketball team. And therefore, we end up with a 65-43 win versus SMU. Now, going into the game versus Houston, I said this on the last podcast. I personally felt we win the SMU game. We've got this momentum going. Houston's coming in. A hot team. This crowd is going to be crazy. And the crowd's going to help us win this basketball game. I said that on the last podcast. And I'm telling you right now, for those that were at the Houston game, all 12,189 of you, that was the loudest I've heard the arena in a long time. There was there were some points during the game. I believe we were down... Gosh, I want to say we were down like 15 or something like that during this game. And, you know, started to make that run and march back. That crowd was going crazy. And so so just to give for for the fans out there that that didn't play college basketball, um, for those that didn't play at the high Division One level, um, I, I, I'm here to tell you, and listen, I wasn't, I wasn't Kenyon Martin. I wasn't Steve Logan, Melvin Levitt, uh, Sean Kilpatrick, Deontay Vaughn. I wasn't at that level of player. But the fact I was on the team and there were games that I got in, you can feel the energy from the crowd. And if you're making big plays defensively, you're grinding it out, you're starting to come back when you're down big, and the crowd just starts to energize you, you can feel it. And I think there was a point in the Houston game, we were down, making a comeback. Keith Williams got a steal, and he dunked it and almost blew the roof off that place. I'm telling you, those kids felt that. Those players on the Bearcat team felt that. And if, if we can continue to create that energy in Fifth Third Arena, regardless of the opponent we play, I'm telling you, it's going to have a huge impact on this basketball program. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I've been to other places. I've been to other college games. And I'm fortunate enough that for the last 19 years, I've been running a, a basketball program here in the greater Cincinnati area called Shining Star Sports. And I have over 30 AAU teams. And so I have a lot of kids that have gone on over the last 19 years and have played college basketball and are playing college basketball. So I'll go to some of their games. So I'll go around to different college arenas. Um, I have friends that are coaching. And I've been to games. I went to IU last year. And IU, I went to the IU-Nebraska game. And that place was bonkers like it was so loud and they were going crazy and they were playing like a mid-level Nebraska team I don't even know if Nebraska was any good that year going into the that game 
But that that fan base was so excited. Just they, they could have played anybody. They could have played Mount St. Joe. They were excited to watch Indiana basketball. And that's where, and listen, I think the Bearcats have a tremendous fan base. And I think if we can continue to have success and Coach Brandon develops that brand of basketball that he wants to bring into the Fifth Third Arena and we start getting fans out every single game regardless of who we play, it's going to energize the team and this program. Just think about this. Think if you're a scout or I'm sorry, if you're a um, if you're a recruit, right, and you're a recruit and you come to a Bearcat game and you hear that crowd and you see that fan base that we have here, it's like, man, like, I've, I, I want to play for the Bearcats. And I've seen that happen before. I remember when I played for the Bearcats and Leonard Stokes came to one of our games and he's like, man, this place is crazy. Kenny Satterfield, same thing. So those things not only affect the team you're watching, the Bearcats, but it also affects the recruits that potentially could come and take our program to the next level. So anyway, back to this uh, this Houston game here. Like I said, the crowd was a, was a tremendous factor, um, unreal. Um, Jaron Cumberland was 17 points, and then Trey Scott, Mr. Double-Double, had 16-11. But let me tell you about Trey Scott real quick. I had a conversation with Trey and his family, his mom, um, after the Houston game, and I told his mother, I said, you know, I want to tell you congrats, and you need to write a book on how to raise children because you've raised a tremendous kid in Trey Scott, and he, she has two twin daughters that also play for the Bearcats and are, are great, great kids. Um, she's done a tremendous job as a mother, and so I asked her just a little bit about, you know, Trey growing up, and she said, you know, I always talked to Trey about rebounding. I didn't I didn't ever care how many points he scored. It was all about how many rebounds he had. And you gotta tip your hat to a mother who is consistently telling her child that. And I mean you look at Trey Scott right now, I don't know where he stands on the rebound, you know, list for the Bearcats, but I think when it's all said and done, he's gotta be up there. Um he he's he's a double double machine right now. Sixteen eleven versus Houston, but one thing that doesn't show up uh, in the stats, and I'm going to say this, Trey Scott really is a triple-double guy because he got 16-11, but more importantly, his leadership. His leadership, if that was a statistic, man, this dude, Jaron Cumberland's missing front ends of one-and-ones. He's missing free throws, starting to put his head down. And Trey Scott goes over and he lifts his head up. He's like, you got this, bro. Like, you got this. I can I can see him. I can hear him. Um, he leads the team in high fives, pats on the back. That That's an important statistic when you're talking about a team. I repeat, a team. You need that glue guy. He's not only a glue guy, he's also a big-time vocal leader. So I think his leadership statistic does not show up on the sheet that I'm looking at. But if it did, Trey Scott is a triple-double guy every single game, specifically the Houston game. He, he, was, he was huge. Uh, you know what's, what's weird? 
I'm looking at the statistics here for the Houston game. And if you look at them, we had 11 turnovers, um, which isn't bad. We're, we're, we're close to that 10. Uh, Houston had nine turnovers, right? So uh, they had less turn- turnovers than we did. They, Houston, had 34 rebounds. We had 31. So, so they beat us in both of those statistical categories, yet we still win the basketball game. Um, I want to point out somebody um, in the Houston game that I think really stepped up. And one of the great things about, I think, this Bearcat team is, you know, you hope to have consistency with, with Trey Scott, double-double guy doing what he does. Um, Big Chris, um, I, I think Big Chris has been uh, a pleasant surprise this season uh, based on, if you think at the beginning of the year, he wasn't even eligible. And then people didn't think he was going to do much to where it's like get the ball to Chris in the post every single time to start our offense. Um, Keith Williams, just his supreme athleticism and, you know, and Jaron being Jaron. And you hope Javen um, knocks down threes to stretch out the defense. But there always seems to be a guy that just kind of steps up off the bench, whether it was Mamadou one game, he steps up and does some great things. But Zach Harvey in the Houston game, he played 18 minutes, but if you look at the stats, you're going to look and say, ah, Zach didn't do much statistically. And that might be correct. However, defensively, his length, you know, his size, he gave Houston a lot of problems. And I want to say down that stretch, I forget, how many minutes Houston went without scoring a field goal? And, I, and, and Harvey was a big part of that. He played tremendous defense. And, and hats off to, to Zach and, and how he stepped up. Because, you know, there, there's some games he doesn't play a lot of minutes. So you, you, worry about, you worry about guys that don't play a lot of minutes, what type of attitude they'll have and how they'll come in and, and play the minutes they do get. Because... I mean, naturally, you want to say, "Oh, this kid should be excited to get minutes. He should, he should play hard all the time." Well, these kids don't always think like that. So you got to give, you know, you got to give a salute to to Harvey for coming in and in those eighteen minutes, really putting his heart and soul into uh, to defense. So, um, and another thing is, I look at these stats here. Um, first half, it was forty to thirty. Uh, Houston had a ten point lead. In the second half, we won thirty four to twenty two. And once again, that was a defensive effort. The second half, and um, a lot of that had to do with Zach Harvey. Um, in between the Houston and Wichita State game, I'll talk about Wichita State here shortly. Um, uh, Big J, um, our center, uh, Jay Sorola, he decided to uh, take his talents back to Europe, where he's originally from. Um, he's left the team. Um, some people ask me, uh, how does that affect the team? Um, I say the following things. I think Jay's a great kid. He worked very, very hard. Um, and <clears throat> whatever the situation uh, was, I think his playing time got less and less. Um, I think his playing style um, plays less into what Coach Brandon wants to do as these kids start to buy into his system. So Jay was kind of, you know, becoming that odd man out. And, you know, if you looked, you know, I, I think the coaching staff had a conversation with him in the past, kind of knew this might be coming. So Jay's minutes were, you know, were less and less if you really go back and look. I mean, he played uh, nine minutes versus SMU. Uh, six minutes versus, versus Houston. So, 
you know, we, we saw it coming. I, I don't think it's a huge loss. Um, you know, I always say it's a loss when, you know, you have a good kid lead the program, and I think he was a good kid. I think he was contributing, but um, got to do what you got to do. So, you know, thank Jay for his time here. And uh, next man up, um, I think Mamadou would, would definitely be that guy who would, would gladly take those minutes, and uh, he did. So um, transitioning into the Wichita State game, Let's talk a little bit about going on the road to Wichita State. I think Wichita State is one of the toughest places in the country to play just because of the volume in that arena from that fan base. So I talked earlier about, you know, a fan base that is really, really, you know, into whoever they play. Um, Wichita State fans, and and it might be a result of there's not a lot of stuff going on in Wichita, Kansas, but... Uh, that arena is unbelievably loud. I've heard from so many people. Um, I know several of the players on Wichita State's team. I know one player very, very well, and he often talks about how they, the home court advantage they have with the crowd is unbelievable. And he told me, um, you know, because they don't play Kansas, and Creighton used to be a big uh, uh, rival of theirs, and they don't play Creighton anymore. He said, you know, the Bearcats are our biggest rival right now. So the fan base, uh, Wichita State players, this is their game. They get hyped up for this. So I was concerned going into this game for a lot of different reasons. I was concerned that, you know, you really only bring back a couple guys, Trey Scott, Keith Williams, Jaron Cumberland, um, that really have that experience playing on the road in a game like that. So a lot of these other guys are are new and and not used to that environment. So you you worry about how they react to that. Um, but but I also felt at the, at the same time, you know, you look coming off of uh, beating SMU, then beating Houston, the, the just the way they they came back and beat them. I was, maybe we've got some confidence flowing into this game. And we can go in there and sneak one in versus Wichita State. And I, and I said this on the last podcast: we got to come out early. We got to come out and and punch them in the mouth. You hear me say that a lot. Um, you got to get the crowd out of it. Uh, that's very very important. So I had some concerns going into this game, but I said if we start off hot and, and we're playing well, I like our chances. And man, what a basketball game. I mean, that was a great basketball game. We go up 41-35 to 35 in the first half, and I'm feeling really, really good about this game. And, you know, there there were times in the game where I'm starting to see, you know, Wichita State, you know, chip away at this game, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Please don't. Because, I mean, Bearcat fans, or, oh, shoot, Cincinnati fans, we've seen this way too much. Our hopes are up. This is I and listen, this is the one game I've been waiting for all year. Like I love when the Bearcats play at Wichita State. So for me, like I am pumped up for this game. And I'm like, please don't make this an another Cincinnati sports experience. And um so th- that leads me to let me talk about a couple uh statistics here. So Trey Scott, once again, Mr. Consistency, 9 and 11, 9 points, 11 rebounds, and just tremendous leadership. Um, Trey was so instrumental in this team winning the game. Um, Keith Williams, 17 points. And I talked to one of the Wichita State players after the game, and he's just like, We never have an answer for Keith Williams. And if Keith can, can 
continue to figure out how to use his athleticism um, against every opponent. And, you know, Jaron's not the most athletic dude in the world. Um, he's very efficient. Um, he, he's very deliberate with what he does. Uh, Keith, man, Keith's a ballerina. He, he, he's, he's a superhero at times flying through the air. <clears throat> when he learns to consistently tap into that, man, this, I mean, not only do we have a special player, um, but he's going to just add another dimension to this team. Uh, Jaron Cumberland, let's go ahead and talk about him. Um, this this was the Jaron that I said on the last podcast I wanted to see. Like, Jaron's got to win this basketball game. And sure enough, Jaron won this basketball game. Um, I mean... That that last possession, him going to the basket, getting fouled, and one, and making the free throw. Bearcat fans, were you nervous when Jaron was at the free throw line like I was based on, you know, Jaron had missed quite a few free throws in the past? Um, I was, but he came through when he needed to come through. That Wichita State game, uh, we ended up winning 80-79. Uh, to 79. Um, that was, you know, that was one of those games that I will, I will always remember that game. And I'm saying to myself, this could be the game where the Bearcats really turn a corner, gets us back in that NCAA, uh, tournament conversation, builds this team's confidence. Things are starting to click. Coach Brandon coached a wonderful game. He made some adjustments. Some adjustments some fans missed. He moved uh, where the ball screen occurred with Jaron Cumberland and uh, Chris, Big Chris at times. He moved the position at where that ball screen occurred um, and then stretched out the other offensive players a little bit, which stretched the defense, which caused a lot of problems for Wichita State. It was just a subtle adjustment that um, he's so very, very good at that. Um, we had under nine turnovers which is great. Uh, Wichita State had 10. Um, Wichita State beat us on the boards. So um, this was just a, this was just one of those um, – it's one of those games that you expect the Bearcats to, to win because of the way we play, you know, tough, hard-nosed, gutted-out type of basketball. And that was great to see, and it just gave me confidence um, – move, uh, just even more confidence, I should say, moving forward. However – I told somebody um, the other night that I was very, very concerned about these next three games in this next three-game stretch. And I'll tell you there are a couple reasons why I was concerned. So we're winners um, after the Wichita State. We're winners of uh, seven of the last eight. Um, And I worried about the next three games at UConn, at ECU, and in the middle, home against Memphis. Now, I, I, looking at the schedule, my concern immediately was not even the Memphis game. It was my immediate concern, the two road games. So I'm hoping this team doesn't get too confident, overconfident, and I don't care what anybody says. It's difficult to win on the road in your conference. I don't care who you are, what conference you're in. 
It's tough. Look around college basketball in 2020. Look at all the upsets. Look at all the teams losing on the road, losing games, and you're like, how did this team just lose to that team? Case in point, and this wasn't even a road game, UCLA goes to Arizona. Arizona should beat UCLA by 20 without a question. UCLA goes in there and smacks Arizona. Mick Cronin led UCLA, goes in there and smacks Arizona. You never know. Your kids have to be prepared. So listen, I'm not going to dive in too deep into the UConn game. As that's part of this uh, uh, three-game uh, mini season, but we lose in overtime, seventy-one to seventy-two. Uh, Jaron Cumberland had the ball with two point seven seconds left to win the game, and a very questionable non-call, which he got fouled. They said it was um, at the buzzer or after the buzzer, um, and we'll dive into that a little bit more next podcast. Um, so we already start the three-game mini. Uh, season with the loss, which I was concerned about that basketball game. Now, um, our next game on Thursday night versus Memphis, um, I'm, I'm, I was more confident in that game than the UConn game. And of course, we lose that UConn game. I'm still confident in the Memphis game. They're struggling a little bit, which which does scare me from a standpoint. A wounded dog is a dangerous dog, and Memphis has the capability to be a very, very good team. So I worry about that. However, I think the way we lost to Memphis the first time will give us a lot of fire to go in there and beat Memphis. Our back's against the wall. We have to win some more basketball games to get into the NCAA tournament. And the Memphis is a very crucial game. I think the Bearcat fans are going to show up. It's where red night. I think the Bearcat fans are going to be fired up. We need that enthusiasm and energy from the Bearcat crowd on Thursday night. I'm predicting we get revenge on Memphis. I'm telling you, Coach Brandon is going to be in that team after this UConn game. Bearcats will come in focused and beat Memphis. Then we get on the road and head to ECU. And I'll be very honest with you. I am not as up to speed on this uh, ECU team. Um, I believe they're like 10 and 14. Um, they're they're not a great basketball team. I think they beat Tulane. Uh, I think they won at Tulane, which I don't have to tell you we lost at Tulane, but um, had lost three games prior to that. So obviously a dangerous team. Um, anytime you're on the road, uh, we could have a letdown. And shoot, listen, we've had – two games in which we've had travel issues. Uh, the Wichita State game, there was a travel issue. Tulane, there was a travel issue. So, and, and listen, I had a, I had a fan, a Bearcat fan on Twitter ask me, how does travel getting messed up affect a player? And I said, it affects a team. It affects players. It affects coaches because it takes you out of your routine. You know, the Bearcats have a schedule when they go on the road of when they're going to have shoot-around, when they're going to have walk-through, meals, preparation, video. And anytime you get out of that, it throws your rhythm off, and you always are concerned about that. So hopefully the travel arrangements are okay for ECU. And here's my prediction. My prediction is we go in to the Fifth Third Arena and beat Memphis on Thursday night. 
We head down to ECU on Sunday, and we beat ECU. We get back to where we should be after that UConn loss. And we got to start stringing together some some wins. Um, you know, we, we've got another mini, uh, a three-game mini season uh, coming up, which I think is going to be a tough stretch after that. So we've got to win these, these next two uh, basketball games. So let me throw out my Beast of the Week award. This should be no surprise. Jaron Cumberland, last three games, 28, 17, 24. Uh, you're starting to see Jaron with that with that swag back. Uh, he's got that bounce. He's got the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, you know, and 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 for 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 Bearcat fans, I think for all of us, even for myself, um, I'm I'm comfortable with with where this basketball team is, minus the UConn UConn loss, but I'm very comfortable because of the way Jaron Cumberland's playing. Um, now I know. I'm not factoring that UConn game, which I'll talk about next podcast, and I promise I'm going to um, turn around a, another podcast uh, very soon to discuss that. But I'm comfortable, and hopefully, I mean, listen, if every week I get on this podcast and I say Jaron Cumberland's the beast of the week, we're we're in good shape. So um, anyway, Jaron Cumberland, my beast of the week. Uh, looking forward, we're going to have some more podcasts. I promise you, I've got to I've got to produce some more. Got to knock out some more and get some more out. I promise I will do that. More former player interviews um, coming very, very soon. So uh, I'd like for everybody to make sure you're following me on social media. Thanks to everyone that uh, follows me on social media and, and listens to the podcast. I know when I go to the games, people stop me and say they listen to it, love it. Um, give me feedback. Tell me guests they want to hear. I appreciate that. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat. However, I'm not on TikTok, and I have no plans of being on TikTok. I think I saw, I think I saw Shaq and LeBron on TikTok with their kids. Now, if I had kids, I'd probably do some TikTok video. I have some nephews that I that I love, and they're in Florida, but. I don't think they're on. I hope they're not on TikTok. I'm not going to be on TikTok. I just spent 45 seconds talking about TikTok, and I shouldn't have. So anyway, my, my producer, Stu, just, uh, <laughs> just gave me a smile there. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Episode 8 of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Until we meet again, Episode number 9, Go Bearcats.